Hello, welcome to LLG's Random But Real Podcast, where you'll hear conversations about any and all things random with an entree, not a side dish, of mental health advocacy. I use my performance, communication, and literary art skills to bring awareness about mental health and other topics. Therefore, whether I'm singing, speaking, or writing, it is my desire that my words will be melodic, just like music to your ears. Welcome to LLG. That's me, Lisa L. Gilliam's Random But Real Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of LLG Random But Real with Lisa Gilliam, or otherwise known as One Singing Lady. I'm your host. Um, This is going to be part two with my friends, my sister, Ash Lockley. Um, I still call her Ashley, but <laughs> I'm a phenomenal speaker, phenomenal person. If you listen to the first part, um, you know that Ashley was um, beginning to tell us her testimony. Um, these uh, topics that we're talking about, or this topic that we're talking about, can be a little bit heavy. And so we do ask that um, these are our own testimonies, our own words. Um, but if you do need assistance, professional help, please seek it. Therapist, counselor, social worker, psychologist, psychiatrist. If you need referrals, um, you can hit me up in my inbox on social media platforms at number one singing lady. So one singing lady, and I will um, gratefully give you referrals to uh, other people who are um, equipped to be able to handle these types of situations. And so, um, just a, a brief recap. It was a lot of information. Um, but we want to make sure we capture everything. And so um, if we have to, we'll do another um, part to this just so that you all can hear the entire testimony. We're talking about, um, I guess the the best way to say is um, uh, childbirth or wanting the desires of having a child and the things that kind of come along with it that we don't usually talk about that are taboo. Would you say, Ashley, that that's a good way to kind of describe you know this topic and welcome back by the way (laughs) (laughs) no thank you so much um just really again very grateful to be able to share my story um but yes I think that that's characterized correctly um uh all of the considerations that go along with uh um and then um the grieving that that um you have to do when um, either you're experiencing things within your body that are creating barriers for um, that or you know you really don't understand exactly what's going on Um, so in part when I you know explained that um, I experienced I'm not sure if it was a chemical pregnancy or if it was you know a defective uh, at-home test or whatever but thought I was pregnant, really wasn't pregnant. Um, well, I got a, preg- a positive pregnancy result from an at-home test. When I got the confirmatory test, it was negative. Um, and so knowing that I just, you know, convincing myself, let's just move move past. And um, so I ended up getting a loop procedure, which is something that um, uh, uh, a gynecologist might do if you have an abnormal pap smear with um, low-grade um, abnormal cervical cells. 
Um, and so that's, I think, where we left off from last time. Okay, well, I'm going to let you continue. And don't worry, I definitely have some, um, actually, there's some restorative questions. And I'll, I'll explain a little bit more about that um, later, because we definitely want to talk about, you know, touch on the, the aspect of grief. That, yeah. That's one area that I don't think um, is spoken about enough, just in the world in general. And then yeah. especially also in this aspect, when it comes to um, having the desire to have children, wanting to have children, um, and, you know, what happens if you are or are not able, you know, to uh, accomplish that. I, I can't, I don't know, maybe it is a goal, maybe I, for lack of a better word, goal or desire to complete that desire. Right. Um, as you mentioned in the first show, um, please know that Ashley nor myself um, want to say anything that is triggering to anyone who may have experienced um, something like this, or maybe you haven't experienced something like this. And so um, we're both working on our language as it results to we're, we're stigma breakers. And so we try to break the stigma associated surrounding um, mental health, that topic. And so um, please know that it's our heart to uplift and encourage and not offend. Um, so please keep that in mind um, as Ashley continues her testimony. Yeah, thank you, Lisa. Um, so uh, I had my leave procedure on October 28th and um, my next period came late. Um, and again, uh, you know, the leave procedure could have different effects on your body depending on your body. So there was no need for me to assume that I was pregnant, but I was curious. So out of curiosity, I took a pregnancy test at home pregnancy test um maybe like that that following Tuesday after I was supposed to have my period so maybe I was about four or five days late um took the test it was positive so after feeling because part of also what I felt with the mishap earlier in October was embarrassment right like oh getting excited and it really wasn't a thing so I didn't even tell Frank, I didn't tell Frank, I didn't tell anybody that I was taking the test. I didn't tell them about the, um, the positive um, result. Um, I said, okay, I'm gonna go to patient first and get them to do a confirmatory test before I say anything to anybody. Um, so that morning I just told Frank, hey, I gotta run out, <laughs> get something done. And he was like, all right, cool. Um, so I went to patient first, got the pregnancy test, lo and behold, oh, I really am pregnant. Um, so the test that patient first gives is just a, yes, you're pregnant. No, you're not. So I went to my, I called my gynecologist's office, explained they made an appointment for me the next day to come in so that they could, um, knowing that I just had the lead procedure and everything, just wanted to make sure everything was okay. Um, mm -hmm. and do the quantitative one, right, that shows how much of the HCG you have in your body. Went okay. there, everything looked all right, um, talked with them about my concerns about getting pregnant right after a leap procedure, especially since they, you know, warned against you getting pregnant right after a leap procedure. Mm -hmm. um, and they basically were just like, you know, it, it'll be fine, you'll be 
uh, you'll have more appointments. You'll kind of be pegged as a higher risk, right? Um, okay. So you, you'll have to go to, you know, have doctor's appointments a little bit more often just so we can make sure that, you know, there's nothing going on with your cervix. Um, if your okay. cervix is not opening prematurely or anything like that. So it's a risk, but it wasn't like, oh my goodness, the worst thing in the world. Okay, but that was a little bit of good news. Yeah, so that was a bit of a a bit of relief. Um, Talked to them. They pulled the blood work, um, and so the blood work had them estimate me at being about maybe five weeks at that point, uh, which makes sense. So it means I got pregnant literally right before the leap procedure, (laughs) Um, and because I was so far along, none of the tests would detect it. I mean, because I was so early along, none of the right. tests were detected. Um, and so Can I just say, though, no, Ashley, it reminded uh-huh. me of a child, even when you were talking about that in the first part, like how uh-huh. we will do things, we meaning humans, right up to the point. <laughs> like, yeah. If you, if you give us like a window, okay, <laughs> we feel quote unquote, air quotes, obedient in that window. But let me just, you know, just do this Don't right before, you, you know. And so it, it right. reminds me of that child that would like push the limits just a little bit. Not that you were doing anything wrong. You you did right. what they said. So exactly. A little bit, but go on. <laughs> yes, you said 48 hours. So <laughs> that's, that's what I got we another did. hour. I got four hours, two more right. hours. And it, and it was just weird. I mean, it was worse because, like I said, I just come off my period. So I'm like, look, all right, I'm newly married. Absolutely. I, I was about to say, I'm a newlywed. <laughs> I got, we got knees out here, you know? So, <laughs> oh my goodness. And I'm so sorry. If my parents are listening to this, I know that can be incredibly weird to hear your child talk about that. <laughs> but, um, but I was married now, so whatever. So, <laughs> part of the story. It's a part of the story. Yes. So I guess prior to me becoming pregnant, I did not realize how much of like that process is estimates. And what I mean by estimates is that there are these huge kind of ranges of your HCG levels, right? If you fall anywhere between like a hundred and like a couple thousand, you can be four weeks. And then, you know what I mean? So it's just like a lot of it is just them kind of estimating, Um, because there isn't an exact science to understanding the body Um, and so they estimated me at about five weeks so I want another thing that I did not know is that you know they don't start doing like your ultrasounds and things like that until you're between eight to ten weeks because prior to that they they think believe um, that they really aren't going to be able to see much right unless they already have pegged you as high risk Okay. Um, which I was already pegged as higher risk. So they did wait until I would would have been around seven to eight weeks to do the first ultrasound. Um, my gynecologist office, who does not offer obstetrician services anymore, did they, if they confirm your pregnancy, they will do the first ultrasound. So okay. we went there for the first ultrasound early December. Um, we, since it was confirmed and everything, we had we had told our parents, our you know our immediate families, um, not like extended family, so like our parents, siblings, um, and um, I had shared with a few of my friends, and we had shared with our officiants, um, the the couple who officiated our wedding. And so we were just going to kind of keep it close to us until I was further along, you know, Mm -hmm. and everything. And so um, 
we went for the first ultrasound and I just remember the technician um, saying, wow, you're really early. And I'm like, well, they said I should be around like eight weeks-ish. And she's like, mm, I'm going to have to do an internal um, ultrasound sonogram. Okay. Um, so she did an internal and she's like, I'm, you're, you're measuring at about six weeks, two days, which is a, was about two weeks behind where they had pegged me to be. Okay. Wasn't a huge, huge deal at that point because sometimes with you being in your first trimester, like sometimes babies need time to come from out of, you, you know, sometimes it's very easy for you, them to miss something that early on um and so what they did see was a pregnancy sac and a pregnancy yolk um so i did not know prior to this that you know they kind of need to see three things in order for them to believe a pregnancy is viable they need to see a pregnancy sac a pregnancy yolk and a fetal pole um the fetal pole is where they'll get to see and hear the baby's heartbeat um so they were able to see a pregnancy sac they received pregnancy yolk. They didn't see the fetal pool, but if I really was six weeks, it was kind of like at that edge where it was like still kind of early. If you give it a little bit more time, you know, you might be able to see it. Now, experiencing it in that moment, I did not know. I was freaking out. So when the lady kept saying, oh, you're really early on, and she's saying six weeks and like based off of where they pegged me when they first found out I was pregnant, I should have been eight weeks. I like, I was freaking out. So I thought that like, she wasn't seeing anything and she was a technician. So it wasn't her job to explain what she was seeing. A a doctor should have come in and talked to us, but a doctor did not. So she was just like, sometimes, you know, the technician, and she was like, sometimes you just need a little bit more time. So we're going to take your HCG levels to make sure they're still rising and yeah so we left that appointment and both frank and i were just like like we were heartbroken because i'm like in my mind you're telling me that i don't have a baby you know like i don't know what i'm looking at i'm not i don't know what you're saying and again her as a technician like it wasn't her job to do the interpretation right she was just supposed to you know take the imaging and everything like that give it to the doctor and a doctor should have come in to talk to us right. but that didn't happen so like there's another like you know mm-hmm. another piece of this right um and mm-hmm. so got my hcg levels the the next day they were still rising they were booming so i'm like oh okay we're cool um but i was upset because i had talked to a few of my friends who and you know heard their experiences and what I should have received and it became clear to me that a doctor should have come in and talked to us. Right. So, you know, I put on my Marilyn Burton hat and those of you know, who know my mother, you know exactly what I'm talking about because sis will write a letter. Okay. <laughs> she will, she will let you know if something is unacceptable. And so that's exactly what I did. I sent, I fired off this email. I was not nasty, but I was firm. Mm-hmm. And someone, you know, the doctor did call and apologize and explain, mm-hmm. okay, this is what we saw okay so um i had already scheduled an appointment with the ob right because you need an obstetrician to walk you through the pregnancy um so that's at a different practice um had that appointment already scheduled for that friday so going into this friday you know this is my first time 
appointment with the OB, with this OB. And, you know, just wanted to let him know, like, what I've experienced so far. So mm-hmm. as soon as I explained to him what I experienced with the sonogram, the first sonogram, he's like, that's concerning to me. Let's redo a sonogram. So he got the, the ultrasound people to um, fit me in. I had to wait for like an hour. Um, but they did the, 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 the sonogram. And basically, I, I'm thinking that they saw the same thing that my gynecologist's office saw. Now, mm-hmm. my gynecologist's office didn't send over what they saw or any paperwork. So, you know, the the doctor who came in to talk to us that day said, I don't have enough information to know if this is concerning or not. But she was the one who explained there are three things that they need to see in order mm-hmm. for them to consider a pregnancy to be viable and walked us through options. Now, one option she said was like basically, you know, that we could we could consider it a loss at this particular point, be given medicine to reset the body. Mm-hmm. Um, or we could wait, they would have to wait another wait another two weeks to redo the the sonogram to see if they'll be able to get a bit a better picture of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Frank Frank was like Oh no, we're doing the sonogram. I don't even want you to talk to me about any other possibilities if you can't say for certain that this mm-hmm. isn't a viable pregnancy right now. Okay. Like what you're telling me is there there's a possibility that this is what they consider what they okay, so side note, um, I also want to say this because language means things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, medically a miscarriage is called an abortion. I did not know that. So I kept hearing the word abortion and I was just like, what are y'all talking about? I want my baby. Right. But the medical term for a miscarriage is an abortion. So she was like, you know, when she was explaining, she was like, you know, is it's very possible that this is a missed abortion, basically meaning that your body miscarried, we missed it, but there are still remnants. Wow. <laughs> and I was just like, yo, that's triggering for you to use that word. Yeah. <laughs> like, can we they definitely do so many different things. I think even in culture, yeah. uh, aspects. Yes. So yes. So, wow. but I didn't, I didn't know that, right? So you know, I'm hearing abortion. I'm like, I don't know. I, I want my baby, you know, mm-hmm. and try not to react to that, you know. So that's why I mean, language means things. Language really does mean things, right? Yeah. Uh, so cool. So you know, left feeling very discouraged, right? Because nobody wants to hear like this isn't really looking great, right? But we're hesitant to say that it's not because we don't have, we don't have enough evidence, right? We're still trying to gather evidence. So that was December 17th. Um, I left there just feeling very discouraged, um, but you know, just like, all right, I'm gonna trust God. You know, my, you know, my parents had kind of shared with a few people who we knew to be, you know, prayer warriors, you know, to cover us. And, you know, people had shared their experiences where miracles had happened, where they had similar experiences, they came back and they saw the baby, they saw this, they saw that. Okay, cool. God's going to move. God's going to perform a miracle. I started spotting that next day, December 18th. And um, so when it happened, I was starting to freak out. So I reached out to my best friend who's pregnant now. She's like, well, you know, she's asking me questions. What color? You know, how heavy is it? It was very light, very faint. You know, it was a brownish color. My apologies for being super 
No, you know, it's a part of the deal. And, you know, she was basically like, well, you know, some women spot during pregnancy. Again, something I did not know because, you know, like based off of like what we ingest via culture or whatever, any type of bleeding is like, whoa, you know, boo. And so she was like, you know, you can message your doctor and let them know, you know, just keep an eye on it. So I was like, well, I mean, okay. And she's, uh, like I said, she's pregnant with twins. So she experienced spotting and things like that. So she, you know, she's fine. So in my head, I'm like, okay, she's fine. And so like the spotting remained really light. And then like by Sunday, it got a little bit heavier, but it was still brown. So it was like, okay, it's old blood. It's not fresh. And, but I started feeling like this is not, this is heading in a direction that I don't want it to go in. So then my prayers, even unbeknownst to people around me, started being like, God, if this is going left, please don't let it happen on my dad's birthday, which is which was December 21st. And please don't let it happen on Christmas, which is like my favorite day. It's my favorite holiday of the year. Right. Um, and so that Monday, December 20th, it's picking up now. Bleeding starting to pick up and it's starting to change color a little bit, but it's still like not enough to be anything but spotting, but the color is starting to change. Okay. And I'm like, oh my God, like, you know, I'm internally freaking out. Um, you know, not trying not to say much because I don't want to trigger or activate my best friend who's pregnant. You know, right. like that's a very weird place to be. You got questions, but you don't want her to feel like, oh my God, she and she also has experienced pregnancy loss prior so you don't want to reactivate her you know Mm -hmm. and I have several really close friends who have experienced pregnancy loss and who are pregnant now and you know just feeling like oh my god who do I talk to because I don't I don't want to you know I have questions and I'm scared but I don't want to reactivate and not wanting to you know worry my parents and you know you just have a lot of different kind of emotions so December 21st comes it's my father's birthday and the bleeding picks up quite uh quite a lot so I was going to try to go to my parents house that evening because it's my dad's birthday I wanted to see him um and as I was getting ready to prepare myself to go like the the bleeding really started and so in my mind I was trying to say you know psych myself like okay if I just you know like go get up go if I can go to mom and dad's house like everything's gonna be fine I'm, I'm just trying to like talk myself through it and so I called my parents to see if they were home and they were going to pick up you know Capitol Grill they you know do the carry out and come back home and you know it was raining or something and dad was like it's messy out just stay home we'll see each other soon you know and I'm like no I need to come and then I bust out crying and they're like what's going on and so then that's when I tell them like I'm bleeding and I'm scared and so then they're like all right we're gonna bring our food over we're coming to the house so they come to the house and by the time they get to the house I have passed my first major clot and I'm I am just beside myself and trying not to scare Romel right who doesn't know what's going on and you know so anyway, like, long story short, I passed several major clots while they were here. We called the doctors, you know, the hotline that they, they told us to call if anything like that started happening. 
it took the on-call doctor two and a half hours to call us back because I was like, I don't know, should I go to the emergency room? I don't know, you know. Mm. I'm texting my friend Barbara who has, um, she has some medical know-how. She works like in the medical field and she has just like a lot of general knowledge and, you know, she's trying to like kind of talk me through the process and ask me what I'm seeing and, you know, you know, just, you know, trying to, to be there for me and, you know, just really not knowing what to do. And like, we're in the middle of the Omicron surge at this point. So like going to the hospital, you know, you're not going to be seen immediately, you know, so you're trying to weigh the pros and cons, but the clotting is heavy. Like I'm passing clots every couple of minutes at this point and Mm -hmm. had the most intense cramps I have ever experienced in my life which I now probably can identify as me being in labor. Um, And so all this happening on my dad's birthday. So the the doctor finally calls back. I tell her what's going on. She's like, it sounds like you're, you're in the middle of a miscarriage. Um, And I'm really sorry about that. Um, And she's like, just, you know, basically stay home. There's nothing that you can do. Come in here. It's not going to help. Um, she's like, unless you're like filling a pad within an hour or mm-hmm. you're in so much pain that you feel like you want to pass out, like just stay home and basically like go through the process. Um, and she said, just keep your appointment. Cause I had, remember when I went December 17th, they made a two week appointment. So keep that appointment, you know, but you know, if anything super abnormal happens, call us back. So that's what I did. And for those next couple of days, I was going back and forth between um, expelling clots and experiencing intense cramps. And this happened through about Christmas Eve. And then the clots kind of tapered off. And then the intense cramping tapered off. But the bleeding continued. Um, and so I bled all through Christmas and like that nine days between December 21st and when I had that next um, ultrasound just felt like, it felt like, a year. Yeah, yeah, it felt like an eternity. Um, so, you know, all this time, like Frank is being super supportive. He's like, we're going to still believe the best, you know, we don't know until we don't know, you know, until we know for right. sure. Um, so when December 30th, for the ultrasound, that's when they confirmed to us, okay, we don't even see the pregnancy sac anymore. Mm. It's gone. Um, but they did still see, there were still clots that they could still see and they could still see like um, contents that your body develops as you, when it becomes pregnant, there were still some contents from the pregnancy. But the, the sac, the actual sac where the embryo would have been forming and all that that was actually gone um and so um it was then upgraded to an incomplete miscarriage um where which means that your body has begun the process of miscarrying but did not complete it so it it expelled like the pregnancy sac and everything Mm -hmm. but there were still contents from the pregnancy like um, kind of like the the placenta, like your body starts producing all of that as soon as you get pregnant. Um, and so some rem- remnants of that was still in my body that they could see. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
so they they um scheduled me for another ultrasound in two weeks they said okay you know she asked me she said do you want to take medication you know to help your body push the rest of it out and I said no like I I want to just go ahead and see if my body will, will do it on on its own plus like the way she described the medication I was just like I have to put what up into my what um, so I had to put pills up into my vagina. I was like, we don't have any, we don't have any pills that I could pop orally. <laughs> like, sis, what's happening? Um, so that was just that was that did not help. Um, so went back January thirteenth. Um, they still saw the same thing, and so then that's when it was like, okay, we have three options. We can wait. But at this point, you've been miscarrying for about three and a half weeks, which I didn't even know was possible. Right. right. I didn't know uh-huh. until you shared that it was possible either. Right. So I've learned a lot through this process through you telling right. your story. So, um, you know, I don't know if you want me to start going into, you know, the next part. Um, or um, we to- could pause here and then uh, do a part three. Um, so... Ooh, there's so much to unpack with this. I didn't even know that it would be, I mean, you know what I'm saying? I knew it was a lot. And of course, I'm definitely sorry for your loss. And I categorize it as a loss, you know? Yes. And that's one of the things that we'll definitely talk about um, in, in one of our parts. Like I said, we'll do as many parts <laughs> as we need to. Um, so, you know, I appreciate again for you, you know, you come in and just willing to share your story um, we are, we're going to pause here. You all come back in another two weeks and you'll hear part three of Ashley's story. Um, but we, I definitely still want you to give out your social media information so people can contact you just in case they don't tune in, but I hope that y'all do. And then, um, we'll, we'll go on to, um, you know, another part so that we, a part three, so that we can hear more of, of your story. Sure. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Ash Lockley, A-S-H-L-O-C-K-L-E-Y. Um, I also have a mental health organization that I started, Mastering Mind Matters. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Mastering Mind Matters, or you can um, visit our website at www.masteringmindmattersnow.org. Yes, and um, I told you Ashley is a part of the Stigma Breakers Collective. I forgot to, I guess, leave my website, lisalgilliam.com, um, as, as well as you can find me on um, TikTok, social, um, Facebook, and Instagram at one, and Twitter as well, one singing lady, the number one uh, singing lady. And so uh, we hope that you will tune in to the next edition of LLG. Random but real part three with Ash Lockley. We appreciate you uh, listening and um, we will uh, maybe not see you, but hopefully hear from you soon. All right. <laughs> One second, lady out. Please note any comments made on this LLG Random but Real podcast by myself, Lisa One Singing Lady Gilliam, or my guests are our own views. They are not to be made or determine an actual professional or in lieu of an actual professional. If you relate to any of the topics, please seek professional help, contact a therapist, a psychologist, any other mental health professional, or if it's an emergency, please call 911. Thank you so much for tuning in.